0: This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. to be here with you today, and it's, it's an interesting topic, you know, this idea of uncertainty. It's interesting talking to people about it. The General Church, which is our, our parent body, they put together a wonderful program called Living Gratefully, and this is the series we're all trying to preach in series. Boy, great material, and, and, and you know, how many of us have at least one place in our life where we're living with uncertainty? Everyone please raise their hand. You know, we all do. We all have certain uncertainty in our life, and what we're going to talk about today is I'm going to try to put it together— now, I want to say this a little bit, like I'm going over it this morning, and today's service has a number of puzzle pieces. And I imagine you're probably going to get about two-thirds of the way through the sermon and go, I don't get it. And then hopefully we pull the last few pieces together and be like, oh, that's it. And we're going to talk about chocolate. Chocolate's going to pull it all together. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to start out with this picture here, the gift of uncertainty. And, and I want to talk about what two views of uncertainty are. Like you look at that picture, right? And look at that picture, sort of cloudy, is it winter day? What are different views of uncertainty you can have? Now today, actually, I want to be out there in the audience a lot today. So our online audience is just going to see this. What I'd love to do is I'd love to just have a few volunteers. I'm going to be out there with the microphone. I want you just to shout out into the microphone, what are the two views of certainty? Excuse me, uncertainty there? Like when you look at that picture, if you're really like <gasps> uncertain, what do you see? And if you're really like curious, you know, what do you see in that picture? All right. So I'm going to be out in the audience here. Who's the person who wants to go first? Give a guess. I I would be very uncertain if that's sunrise or sunset, and if I'm about to lose the light to follow the path. Good. Good one. Uh, Whether it's fall or spring. And the answer to that would be yes. I not know what type of trees they were. What type of trees? Because if they're evergreens, they're going to be holding that stuff forever. What's over the hill? What is over the hill? Doesn't this look a little, you know, as you said that, I was thinking like, uh, you know, Robert Frost, who rose diverged in a wood? I see fear on the left and hope on the right. Oh, that's good. Fear and hope both at the same time. That's a good one. Oh, one more. What's in the woods? What's in the woods? So if we can have the next slide, please. What I want you to talk about now is what is the actual gift of uncertainty? Like, we understand that, that uncertainty can be a number of different things. It can be fear. It can be hope. It can be, be a number of different things. And I think we all struggle with We all have it. What I'd love to hear from you now is to take 60 seconds and answer the question... What is the gift of uncertainty? You can share that with the neighbor or you can text it into me. All right. So please answer. What do you see as the gift of uncertainty? You did, you did very well on that. So, well, there's a group over here. I don't like to point people out, but it's this group over here. And, and they were talking about like, is there actually a gift to uncertainty? Right. Because it's hard to sort of think like, is there actually a gift here for me? Because we wrestle with it all the time. Right. So what I want to do now is I want to put a list up here. If you take a look at this list, and there are five different things. And what I want is I want now five volunteers, someone to read me number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. So who wants to read number one from this side? Here we go. Read number one. To explore and learn. All right. To explore and learn. Did I turn this thing off, Marcus? All right. All right. Who would like to read number two? Good to see it. To be curious and courageous. Excellent. You have a radio announcer voice. That was really good. (laughs) What about number three? Number three. To To cultivate a realistic, robust faith. Good one. Next one, number four. Who'd like to read number four? Brave person for number four. Brave person for number four. To join hands with others and partner up in new ways. Excellent. And your husband just raised his hand to volunteer for number five. To use the ancient and fundamental motivating force of hope as a beacon in the mist. Isn't that good? Give all those brave volunteers a round of applause, folks. So... When we look at that, yeah, you know what, there there are gifts here, and sort of how do we find these gifts? Like, how do we go about doing that? I I think when I was thinking, what is the fundamental problem? And this may not be for you. This is definitely the fundamental problem for me, you know, living in my own skin. Listen carefully. Just take a breath and listen. This is what I want. And I'm going to use we as in like the royal we, so I'm including you. We want to know the whole story before living it. Does that ring true to anybody out there? We want to know the whole story before living it. And that's, I think, what gets in the way. I think that's where we get this unhealthy view of uncertainty. There seems to be a way in which that the living it, the actual living it, becomes the gift. And if, if I knew everything ahead of time it actually wouldn't work. It wouldn't get me what I want. It's interesting. We are blessed with a wonderful, wonderful, incredible sermon writing team led by Allie Childs. And, and, and we were talking about this concept. And what someone said that really, like, wow, that's really true. They said, if we knew the future, we wouldn't even be able to have joy. Think about that. Think of how, much time, how many times your life has been wonderfully interrupted by joy. If you're not sure what that looks like, talk to Ruth and Tony about their little granddaughter. Their their daughter put a picture up their little granddaughter wide awake at 5 a.m. with a big smile on her face. Now, if I told you I was going to wake you up at 5 a.m., how happy would you be? But yet, here's this thing where we can actually be surprised by joy. And because we don't know the future, we're able to just find our way, make our decision to actually celebrating right into that moment powerful. And it goes back again to the problem. I want to say it one more time. We want to know the whole story before living it. And God says, no, you got to live it. And then you'll get the full story. Live it. Even the anxiety, even the uncertainty. So as we face those uncertainties in our lives, and this is where like there's a puzzle piece that that we're going to be working to connect back in. As as we work through that uncertainty, we have to understand this question here. Possible questions when faced with uncertainty and transformational choice. Number one, I'm going to have you say the D word there. We could do it one of two ways. What do I? Desire. Desire. Number two, I'm going to have you say the last two words. Or we could say, what will help me become a better Two different perspectives there. We can, when, when people face challenges, you know, and, and as a pastor, you know, we're, we're blessed as uh, a profession to walk with people in very uncertain times. And oftentimes people will ask them, well, well, what is it that you want to do? And I'm always a little bit leery of that one. Like it's the right answer and it's the wrong answer. It clearly is the right answer, and sometimes, but frankly, if I go by my desires, my desire would be I'd still be sleeping, or drinking coffee, or having a beer, or being right. Those those are my primary desires. So if that's the four compass points by which I navigate by, (laughs) yeah, pretty funny, right? (laughs) If those those are the compass points, I'm in trouble. I'm living a pretty shallow life. And my life is actually going to constrict more and more. in this thing where I feel like if I go with my desires, I'll find certainty. I would say, be very careful. How many of us have followed desires to the point where we are no longer free in that regard? A bunch, right? We all have that thing that we have overindulged in to the point where we are no longer truly free. And that's, that's the kind of quote-unquote certainty we want to avoid. It's known as addiction. So we have to be able to be, be careful with these, with these words. I think this is a really key point here. Our moral intuitions are more durable and living than our desires. Can we all, let's all read that together. That's such a good one. Our moral intuitions are more durable and living than our desires. So as we're facing these times of uncertainty, sorry about blew my mic there, as we're living in these times of uncertainty, I, I, I think we can start to go, okay, so I'm uncertain, and I can go with sort of what I want, you know, sort of my wants and my desires, or I can switch something. And as the band comes out, I want you to think about what that switch can be. I can switch it into starting to think, starting to think, what is my moral intuition here? What is my gut, my conscience starting to tell me about right and wrong here? See, conscience and desire are two very different things. How do we allow that conscience to start to come up and allow that, of, listen carefully here, folks, to allow that conscience to start to rise into that place of uncertainty and give us a very different kind of knowledge, a very different kind of hope very different kind of being settled and certain far different than a desire will and when we come back we're going to look yeah what exactly does that really look like to to pull that conscience out and how's chocolate going to connect to it all so he, the answers that you folks had, you know, for the gift, and we can talk about what this gift does start to look like. Listen to these, you know, what actually the gift of uncertainty is. Multitude of possibilities, hope, interest, opportunities to shape the future. The gift of uncertainty is the opportunity to enhance your faith, to explore and learn, the opportunity to choose. I really like this one. Possibly not what is ahead, but what is left behind. Uh, Possibility, you become fortified. The gift is having to let, yeah, and this is good. This is good. Listen carefully here. Whoever wrote this, you're, you are aces. The gift is having to let go of the worry and anxiety and instead learning to trust. And the chance of new beginnings. There's a a bunch there. Those are wonderful answers. And I I wish I could read them all. Unfortunately, our congregation has gotten big enough. I get way too many. So it's a good problem to have. And, And looking at that, like how beautiful that is. That There actually is a gift here for us in terms of how we hold uncertainty. And so what I want to do in talking about this uncertainty, talking about kind of we have this idea that we're supposed to follow our moral intuitions, that that will sort of help us to find our, our footing more certain in a certain way. And, and it's, I want to talk sort of part B about the big picture, and that comes into this. I'm going to have you say the A word, the fifth word in there. God is leading us away, away from our, our obsessions, and instead is bringing us into a love of service. God is leading us away from our obsessions and instead is leading us into a love of service. Beautiful concept there. And I want to talk specifically about what that means. And then we're going to look at an exact example of it. The reading I want to share with you is from Luke from the Gospel of Luke. Now, those of you who aren't biblically literate, which is probably most of us in this universe, you know, there were four Gospels written, four different accounts of Christ's life. Each one is slightly different because they're written by different authors. This is by Luke. Luke was a doctor, and this is, this is him reporting on what he heard Christ saying, what, what was passed on to him. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And just a number of lines there. First off, do not be afraid. For those of you here for the first time, number one commandment in all of the New Testament is don't be afraid. And little flock. I was just—I was smiling reading that because I was listening to NPR and they were talking about the difference between a herd and a pack. And a pack is a bunch of predators. And you notice Christ never says you pack. He's just not talking about being a bunch of predators here. <laughs> He's saying, "Look, you're you're sheep. You're a herd. You're a you're a gathering. Very different kind of view. For your father, for God has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, now that line there, for God has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Not wants to give you the kingdom. Would like to give you the kingdom. He'll do it when you know when his when you read his will at the end. (laughs) It's not it." It's like, no, God's please. like, it's God's honor. That's what God is in the business of doing, like, is doing. Not wants to do, not kind of does, but is doing. He is giving you the kingdom. He is giving you the kingdom. And and don't, please, like, don't hold that just as one straight belief structure. It's not necessarily. I think he's doing this for people who are Jewish, who are Islamic, who, who are wonderful humanitarians. That's where we see the kingdom coming alive. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. In other words, provide something that's going to hold what's important to you that's not going to become tattered and torn. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A beautiful line, like bringing that conscience up, that idea of, of, of treasure. And what are we going to treasure that's going to give us a sense of certainty? A sense that we're grounded. And the most grounded people, this is a little bit of an aside. I was looking at a, at a couple of ministers argue, and it's sort of like, are we supposed to be really in the world? Or are we supposed to really be in heaven? I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer's world, words, which is that we're supposed to have both feet in heaven and both feet on the earth at the same time. You know, living fully there. Now, as, as we start to hold that, like, here's God trying to give us this love of service. Here's Christ saying, like, where your treasure is, there is your heart. And, and that's really what's going to come alive. And, and God, is, God is allowing that to come alive in your life now, today. It is happening. You may not be able to see it. But just because we don't see it doesn't mean it isn't happening. Uh, Folks, the world right now, how fast is this planet spinning through the universe? It's over, somebody probably knows, like 1,500 miles per hour, something crazy like that. Do you feel like you're going 1,500 miles per hour right now? Do you, yes or no? No, you don't. I think that's sort of God's leading, like we, we don't sense it, but it's there, but it's there. So how exactly does this work? I want to show you a divine providence primer here. And this is one, it's two slides. that You could take a picture of this if you wanted to, or do a screen capture if you're watching online. I think this is really key about what God is up to and how divine providence works. And it connects in with this Bible passage. Divine providence, what is it? And we mentioned this last week. It's God's tender holding of our often broken lives, gently leading us home in a love beyond our imagination. The key word for me there, the two really are, can we go back, sorry, is our tender holding. You know, can we go back one slide? The tender holding is key. The second one, we can't see divine providence in the present moment, even though it is the present moment. It's like, like I can't see what the interaction I'm having today. I mean, I'm gonna have interactions right after church. So will you. You have no idea where that leads. Even though you could say, yeah, divine providence is the moment, you don't know where that all goes. The third one. We can't employ it. We can't employ divine providence to see our future in this life. Oftentimes, you know, again, when you're a pastor or a caregiver, people will want to know, well, like what's gonna happen? And I think many times, most of the times, the best thing we can say, I'm gonna have you complete the sentence is this I don't I don't know. I don't know. Fight the pessimist in you that says, you know, you're gonna die. Fight the optimist in you, who's, who's always, always say, "Oh, I'll be okay," and just simply be able to say, "I don't know. I don't know how this ends." Next slide. We can, however, know divine providence exists when we look back at our lives. We can see it looking back. Our job is to live the paradox, so that uh, live the paradox. Do what i sorry, I have a typo there. Said, so do what we can. And know God has it all. So it's this mix of doing what we can. And at the same time as we're doing what we can, also getting that God has it all. I'm going to do everything I can. And I get that there's a bigger picture, a bigger holding. And last but not least, understanding with divine providence that it is governing everything. God's love is governing everything. It's about love itself, wisdom itself, and life itself. What I want to do now is I want to show you a video and my apologies ahead of time for those of you who are going to be listening on podcast because last week we had one done in Japanese. This week we have one done in French. So you'll see some subtitles here. If you're by a high school French teacher, you are very fortunate. Uh, They actually have some beautiful subtitles here. And and I want you to see some of these things we've just talked about, like this list and this divine providence and the idea of going to your moral intuition versus your desire. That idea of God is moving us away from obsessions into a love of serving other people. I want you to listen to this video with those ears on. It's a video about a woman explaining a very poignant experience she had with chocolate during the Holocaust. Please take a look. Pretty powerful. I want to step over here, and I'm going to step over here and talk about chocolate. Then we're actually going to pass chocolate out to everybody. So chocolate is on the way. You have a choice between milk, dark, and my favorite white chocolate. So just leave all the white chocolate for me. Choose between milk and dark. I want to talk about this, folks, And, and you can see, like here in this in this chocolate we can see, you know, divine providence, God's leading. Look at that story you just hold, just heard and look at it in terms of this list here. Divine providence, God's tender holding of our often broken lives, gently leading us home again in a love beyond our imagination. You know, and even something like the Holocaust, like that's the stuff that breaks God's heart and God's tender, tender holding is there too. We can't see divine providence in the present moment, even though it is the present moment. Could she see in that moment what that chocolate could become? Yes or no? Could she see it? No, absolutely not. No idea. No idea. Mother didn't know either. We can't employ it to see our future. There's no way that, that in giving that chocolate that she could know what the future would be, that that woman would end up being a psychiatrist. No idea. We can, however, know divine providence exists when we look back at our lives. When we look back, we can see how these pieces somehow in some miracle fit together. We can live the paradox. Do what we can and know God has it all. Do what we can. I mean, one of the things that I it feels so strongly about, folks. Again, we're having Malcolm coming next week. He's, he's working on Rwanda with Pat. He's working on issues there. That is a big nut to crack. Oftentimes, we can't do that, but we can do what we can. Even something as simple as chocolate can be a gift. And governing everything, love itself, wisdom itself, life itself, like, like think of divine providence as that, not about like this, this, this script where I'll finally have the whole story down, but instead that it's love itself, wisdom itself, life itself, that it's how these come together. And can you folks also see in her life, can you see where where there were choices made that weren't about desires, that were instead about moral intuitions, where the words of Christ came very true, and this is a Jewish woman, but you see those words of Christ coming true, the best of the Jewish tradition, the best of all faith traditions, where it's this deep giving, this willingness to just give every last thing that you have, No matter how small it is. And and, and I don't think that means that we're to go into poverty. I think it means that we're, we're just really to give. To use a sports analogy, we're to leave it on the field. We're to have lived life that fully. As I come back over here, think about what all that can mean in our lives. Think about the biggest of biggest pictures here. And the takeaway for this week comes down to this. I'm going to have you say the G word. What if we start living gratefully as we face uncertainty? What if we really got that? Like, there is this uncertainty in life, and I'm constantly pursuing certainty. But it's shadow boxing. I'll never actually get there. And the reason why I'll, I'll never get there is because, right, listen carefully here. I'll never get there because God doesn't want me there. It's actually counter to his divine providence for me to be there, for me to know. Because if I knew, I'd be far more detached from life. If I knew, I'd live a far more constricted life. If I knew, I would be a know-it-all because guess what? I would know it all. And instead, there's this wonderful wondering where I think he's trying to get us. Where we can live gratefully, and I would add, and generously, gratefully and generously as we face uncertainty in life. Whereas that uncertainty comes up, I can just choose, like, look, I'm just going to be grateful for the day. And I'm going to find a place to be generous. I know this. Many of you are sitting in seats right now dealing with heartbreaking uncertainty. There's always the uncertainty, like do the eagles win or not? Da-da-da. And that's not that uncertain anymore. But but you know, there's there there is kind of that uncertainty about life, and that's kind of cute, and da-da-da, what am I gonna have for lunch? It's kind of cute. But but you know what? There's heartbreaking uncertainty in this congregation for many of you. And and what I want to do. I want to give you a piece of chocolate. (laughs) I want to give you chocolate. I want you to hold that chocolate. And just know God's tender hands are holding you. He knows it's hard. He's bringing you home. Do I know how he's going to do that? I have no clue. But I do have faith that that is what's happening. And if we live into a world where we can bring that that, that gratitude and that generosity, no matter how small, into those incredibly painful, heartbreaking, uncertain moments, life begins to shift and to bloom. And we start seeing that picture. Remember that picture we first saw? we start seeing that picture changing. As someone said, that dichotomy between fear and hope, we see hope rising as fear slowly subsides. It's law of the farm. It takes a long time to get there. But God's going to get you there. I want to close with the words from another person, a person who did not survive the Holocaust, but actually died in Auschwitz, Eddie Heelsen. And she offered these words while she was in a Jewish ghetto awaiting deportation. And it's a beautiful diary. If you ever have a chance to read it, wonderful spiritual literature. As she comes to this, like, this wonderful, and this is so strange to say, so strange to say, this, this enriched poverty of her life, where she realized she didn't have all the answers. She didn't know it all. She didn't have all the possessions. She didn't have it all. But she learned this. She learned to breathe through her soul. Take a look at these words from Eddie. And I'm going to have you say the last four words there with me really loud. This grasping attitude suddenly fell away from me. A thousand tyrannical chains were broken. And I breathed freely again. And felt strong and looked about with shining eyes. And now that I don't want to own anything anymore and am free. Now I suddenly own everything. Now my inner life riches are immeasurable. And I'm going to have you say the last four words with me. Now I live and breathe through my soul. What a place that would be to be in our lives. And I feel that's why living gratefully is so much connects with unconditional love. So much gives us a pathway to the future that's beyond just sort of trite forms of religiosity. And those trite forms, I'm going to be frank, oftentimes deal with belief tests. I think there's something much richer for us here than just a a belief test. I think there's a, a, a way, a well we can tap into that gives us a whole new entire perspective on life. A perspective of our place in it. Our perspective of who we can be and what we accomplish and who we can give chocolate to. It's good stuff. Join me next week to hear two pretty amazing people talk about it. I'd ask you now to please join me in a prayer. I'm going to offer a prayer, then you'll have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to have a moment of silent meditation, or to simply offer your own words up to God. Please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, these words, gratefully and generously. As we face uncertainty in life, Lord, the inevitable, unavoidable uncertainty of life, oftentimes heartbreaking. Let us pick up those worn tools, Lord. Simple gratitude. Simple generosity. Allow us to use those tools, Lord, to serve out there into the world to make a difference as best we can. And Lord, I ask this on behalf of this congregation. For those sitting here today, Lord, sitting in the uncertainty, the uncertainty, Lord, that creates deep pain and anguish and sorrow, allow them, Lord, to just feel your gentle hands, your gentle touch, sitting right there beside them, helping them through a time of darkness, moving towards overtime, a time of light and warmth, a time we call home. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.